On Tuesday the 3rd of July from 6 to 8pm at The Bird, Wham! and APRA AMCOS held an event discussing bands, budgeting and balancing the books. The first speaker you'll hear from is Kylie Thompson from Sorrento Strategic Music. She'll be covering topics like managing your accounts and cash flow, preparing a tax return and more. Howdy folks. So welcome to this APRA AMCOS and WAM session. We have two wonderful guest speakers this evening. Um, next to me is the, our lovely first speaker, Kylie Thompson from Sorrento Strategic Music, um, who will cover managing your accounts, cash flow, preparing a tax return and much more, and who also mentioned the member benefit that I um, spoke about earlier. And then following Kylie, we have Simon Skinny O'Leary, who will be covering the info and tools you need to prepare a high impact album release campaign on a modest budget. So um, please welcome our guests with a round of applause and then I'll pass over to Kylie. Thanks, Neil. Okay, I'm pretty impressed with the turnout on a cold and miserable Tuesday night to hear about tax. It's not really an exciting subject, so I'll try and break down some barriers and make it more accessible to yourselves. Uh, so we're talking about bands, budgets and balancing the books. Um, I've kind of got some uh, slides here which I'll kind of refer to and then basically at the end there's if any questions you want to know we'll have a session right at the end after um, Skinny's had his bit on uh, touring and budgeting. Uh, okay, so the first thing about music is, and, and I hear this all the time, is um, Oh, I'm not going to declare my music income because I don't make any money, even though I spend a lot, it's just a hobby. Um, I don't want to declare that, there's obviously cash income, all sorts of things, there's no benefit in it. Why would I bother declaring that in my tax? Well, I have a big um, opposite thoughts on that, that if you really are a serious musician, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make a lot of money in the first year or the second year might take a lot of effort and energy but that doesn't downgrade your enthusiasm and uh, the intent is to make some money out of music. So basically that's the first place to start is taking it seriously. Um, which realistically I know a lot of people, you rehearse, you, you, you say you're going to form a band, you're rehearsing, you're travelling two, three times a week with your rehearsals, your gigs, you might all as a band just go together and do a gig every Saturday night or a regular gig. No one gets any money, you all say let's put it all in the pot and save for that EP recording and so you might go and see your mum and dad's accountant and say not even mention the music, thinking I don't even make any money out of the music. Well that's where you're probably pretty mistaken in that there can be a huge benefit in declaring that loss, especially if you don't earn over $40,000 from your other job. Um, so basically the first things to do, especially um, as a muso, I would always say uh, get an ABN, set up a bank account, be serious about the fact that you are in the business of making music. Um, you may need to Basically, if you're just going to operate as your own name, you don't need to register a business name. But if you want to be known as something else, it's probably not a bad idea to start with registering a business name on ASIC. Uh, I have seen some pretty young bands in Perth start out with a name, and now they've had to change their name because someone else has got it. 
So if you're going to start using a name and build your reputation on that name, it's probably not a bad idea to look at registering it for starters. Um, obviously, if things take off a bit, then you start looking at trademarks and patents and things like that. But obviously, at the grassroots level, the main thing is that's um, looking professional and business-like and that you're, you're in the business of being a musician. Um, obviously, uh, straight out of uni or school, you, you get your tax phone number. Um, ABNs, make sure if you're getting an ABN, be very careful if you just Google apply for ABN because there's unscrupulous people out there that basically want to charge you to get an ABN and they're kind of at the top of Google. But if you go down to you get to the government website, it costs you nothing. Um, it's pretty simple to get the ABN, but you just got to take your time because you don't want to answer the wrong questions like registering for GST and things like that early. Um, there's also some implications if you're one of the first questions is, have you had an ABN um, before? And that can be quite significant if it's a band on band thing. So that kind of thing is, a, to me, is um, when you need to really come and see someone. So sometimes it might seem good to do things for free and nothing if it's simple. And I really encourage you guys, as musicians starting out or whatever stage you're at, not to spend a lot of money if it's, if it's not, you know, if you you're basically watching every dollar. Um, I encourage you to do things yourself, but sometimes it's important to actually go and seek a little bit of advice, which... Uh, next thing, I guess, is uh, talking about bookkeeping. Uh, the main thing with any of this is just keeping all of your receipts. I can't say enough about thinking business-like, acting business-like, and keeping the records of of everything you spend money on. I mean, as a musician, uh, that's the bit I love about um, being an accountant in the music industry and creative industries, is there's a lot of things that the average person going to work nine to five can't claim, or it's not relevant to their job. So something that we probably all take for granted is downloading music, um, subscribing to Spotify, uh, going to the movies, going to theatre, going to concerts, especially if you're members of AFRA and you're a songwriter, obviously you've got to have some creative inspiration. And I see all of these things as being tax deductible, very much an integral part of your business of being a pro professional musician songwriter. Uh, we're kind of moving on a little bit here. We, we basically, for our clients, hand out a basic bookkeeping spreadsheet just for people that really hate um, anything to do with paperwork and tax. We try and make it easy so that by the time you came to see someone like myself, um, you've taken all the hard work out of it. I don't want to sit there with the old shoebox of receipts anymore. I basically want you to do all of that before you come and see me so that you come and see me with your list of questions of things that you want to ask me that is what you need an expert for. Um, the basic thing, I don't need to go through a whole heap of receipts and say that's fuel, that's a book, that's a costume, that's this, that's that. Um, so I'm all about encouraging you to do the most amount you can yourself and save some money. And when you come to see me, use me for my um, more uh, specialised expertise about um, all sorts of things, I guess, like tours, uh, royalties, how they work, all, all sort of more um, questions that aren't, 
uh, your average accountant wouldn't know. Um, in, sorry, in terms of the receipts, we've actually, as a practice, just um, basically put the whole practice on zero and we're encouraging everyone. I mean, it's the way of the future. A lot of these software packages now, zero, QuickBooks, um, Myop, you can basically subscribe. If, if you're not high level and registered for GST and got employees, you can subscribe from like $10 a month and have all your bank statements feed in so you'll never lose a bank statement. You'll never have to look up another bank statement at tax time. It all just goes in there. Um, on top of that, we're offering like Receipt Bank, which is an app where you basically photocopy your receipts and it, and it links into your zero. So all about kind of encouraging everyone to do this stuff themselves. Don't stress out 12 months down the track trying to get 12 months worth of records together when you can kind of do it as you go. Okay, uh, I guess tax time, some of the pretty big uh, things for musos would be instruments. And thank God the uh, government passed this for another 12 months at least, that it used to be spend anything over $1,100, sorry, under $1,100, and it was 100% tax deductible. For the last two or three years, it's been $20,000 or less. So the good one in that is a car. Um, and basically what you'd need to do is keep a 12-week logbook and especially if basically you're a 100% full-time musician, uh, pretty much I think if you kept a 12-week logbook you might come in at about 95% business percentage of what you do in your car to claim for business. So if you went out and spent uh, 10 grand on a car, then you'd be able to claim $9,500 as, as a tax deduction having kept that logbook. Um, so that's a pretty good one. Uh, they, it was expiring just 30th of June 18, and they've now extended it for another year. So these are the kinds of things you never know if they're going to keep going on year in, year out. They're kind of special incentives for small business, all tied in with um, getting it through Parliament and past Pauline Hanson, I guess. <laughs> um, so probably the depreciation <laughs> rules aren't really a huge thing at the moment for, for guys um, in the music industry. Um, they've kind of simplified it, but basically I think the main thing you'd be looking at is um, anything under 20 grand you can claim in the year you buy it. Uh, what I was already on about was receipts, receipts, receipts. Um, some of the things, obviously, one of the big things I think is people think they buy an instrument. I know that's a big thing between musicians. You buy it secondhand off a mate, you buy it on Gumtree, you buy it on eBay. Uh, all you need to do, and I know you order it on eBay, you don't necessarily get a receipt. I try and encourage people, if you're gonna go out and spend a thousand bucks on a guitar, um, you know, out in Allenbrook or something, actually make the receipt out before you get there. You know the person's name, you know their address, you know what you wanna buy. I guess you just hand write in the amount when if you're negotiating and it's got the date on there, what it is, and say, would you mind please signing this? And you've got your receipt. So don't think just because you bought it, and even a mate, they're all trying to do their thing as well. Um, that That's one big one I hear. Um, I, probably a little bit sexist and we're all on about the gender equality and all of that, but really girls have got it made over, over guys in terms of stage wear. I mean, I don't really think you can claim your black jeans and your black t-shirt, uh, but the girls might have something with a bit of glitter on, uh, something that's a bit more that they could say, it's not the average thing I'll wear down the street. 
also with the girls. Obviously, they spend money on special makeup, the stage makeup, so it keeps on when they're performing. Also, I say that if you happen to be going to the hairdressers on the day that you've got a big performance at the Crown, at a wedding or a cabaret, then obviously you've specially spent money on grooming for that performance. Guys, I don't know, it's a little bit not as uh, easy going, but I guess if there was a special, if you're a country and western type band and you've got the cowboy hat and the cowboy boots and the tassel uh, shirt, then obviously we could say that was stage wear. Uh, other things, industry magazines, WAM memberships, which I'm trying to encourage now that I'm on the board. Um, as I was saying, creative inspiration, the movies, the theatres, the concert tickets, all of these things, even like your Ticketmaster account, um, I know there's like, you know, a lot of local gigs might only be 10 bucks a gig. You are allowed uh, up to $200 for small things in a diary over the year, so that's kind of like 20 gigs, 10 bucks, that's fine, I'll claim that. Um, probably an idea if you keep a bit of a record, uh, but really only up to $200 without receipts uh, in your own business. You are allowed up to $2.99 against any salary and wage income um, without receipts. So there's a little bit of leeway there without receipts. Um, recording gear, rent. That's probably a really uh, big claim, especially uh, if you're renting, which I kind of find that most times there might be three or four or five musos all living in one place, and it's basically a music house. And I actually have one band where the girl says, well, there's." Just my bed, that's it. All the rest is music related. We live, breathe, and, and uh, everything's about music. So usually with your rent, it's kind of handy if it was, say, a two-bed apartment and you had your bedroom was one and the second room is the music room, but it gets a bit more complicated if there's three or four living in it. So you're meant to kind of claim the um, square meterage that you use for business. So we kind of come up with a bit of a formula Interestingly enough, I had an audit on a museo this year, which was an absolute joy to challenge the tax office. It went to about the highest level, and we were trying to amend a return from two years ago where she did it herself, and she put her inheritance from her father in the return, um, which, because she was obviously emotionally at the time not thinking and thinking, I'll just do my, do my tax. So I had to go to an objection to be able to, to um, and she declared her whole entire music business wrong. She put it in like it was a salary and wage, claimed no deductions. Anyway, they actually, the tax office, when I had her address down as the work, place of work, they actually had Googled the square meterage on the house. Luckily, the, the claim I was making was for a two bedroom flat and she lived there on her own but they actually are very sophisticated. So I guess that's one thing I know from experience is to uh, know what's, what's a, the way to go about things and it's reasonable. They tried to tell me she needed to keep a log for her phone and I said anyone in business with an ABN has to have a mobile phone. You cannot run a business without being contactable. Oh, okay then. Because they, they kind of get a little bit confused between salary and wage earners and people running a business. So. Yeah, a bit of a win there, the girl was pretty happy. Um, same with the, your computer stuff and all that. Um, we were just talking about all of that stuff. When you hear a lot of stuff on the radio about home office and car claims and all of these kinds of things, a lot of times they're actually talking about salary and wage earners. 
because that's who they want to target. Like, if you basically are on salary and wages, uh, like going to APRA and back every day, you can't, unless you have to carry bulky equipment in your car when you're going to and from a nine to five job, basically you can't claim to and from work. You, you can't really claim a phone unless it's in your employment contract that says that person must be contactable 24 seven. So when you hear a lot of press about this kind of stuff, you should ignore it if you're running your own business. Because they're really trying to, I mean, what they really want to do is make it so that salary and wage earners um, don't even lodge a tax return. They just give them a maximum $500 claim and be done with it and get them out of the system. Uh, that's what they're working towards. But there's so much negative out there about what you can and you can't claim. But that's why you should go and see someone because we, we know all the tricks of the trade. Uh, the cars, there's a lot of major media about this this year because every man and his dog's claiming 5,000 Ks, which you're allowed to. Um, all you need to do, there's only two methods now, there used to be four methods. Um, it's either 5,000 Ks or keep a logbook. So basically, most MISOs I know, their car's pretty old, 15, 20 years old, I shouldn't generalise. So there's no real point in keeping a 12-week logbook um, because the, the car was depreciated 15, 20 years ago. Um, unless you're a country museo, which I do have some guys from Margaret River, I mean, they could be spending 200, uh, 200 bucks a week on fuel on average. That's $10,000 expenditure. If they kept a logbook and it came in at 90%, 95%, that's a big claim, even if it is an old car. Um, but the general Perth Museo that really doesn't do many country gigs, um, what we'd be doing to try and work out the 5,000 Ks, uh, we basically just, you'd sit with me and I'd just be going, okay, how many times a week do you rehearse? Oh, Bass and Dean to Fremantle, um, gig once a week. We just work it out on average. Every now and again, you'll throw in a Margaret River or a um, Albany gig or a, a Geraldton gig. Um, usually not too hard to come up with 5,000 Ks. That's a big claim for anyone that's a musician. So it doesn't even matter if you're only making 500 bucks for the whole year. If you're going and rehearsing and then you're you know, putting an album together, doesn't in the year that you're putting an album together, you might not be doing many gigs if you're in that zone. Doesn't mean that you're not using your car for your music business. Um, this is a really good one. If you, basically, it's an interesting, um, thing I find now that 20 years ago or 25 years ago when I started out doing musos, most of the musos I knew had a full-time nine to five job and the music stuff was just a passion that they did on weekends and tried to squeeze in. Now I'm finding a lot of the young kids in the 20s are really, probably because mum and dad haven't let, uh, let you still stay at home and not move out maybe, uh, are 100% musicians and kind of might have a little bit of a cafe job or uh, waitressing, um, music teachings, private school, that seems to be quite big, your scotch and those kind of good jobs if you can get them after you've been to uni. Anyway, the difference is if you earn less than 40,000 in that other job, you can claim your music loss against that job. And that can be quite huge. So if you've got uh, 20,000 bucks from your other job that just gets you by, your bread and butter job, you can get all your tax back on that job by claiming your loss against it. 
The problem is once you go over 40,000, that's the rule. That's actually only special for either farmers or musicians, that concession of non-commercial business losses. So you're in, they kind of, the tax office has given you a bit of leeway in a few concessions, knowing full well that um, you have good years and bad years. Uh, if you earn over that, which I have quite a few full-time music teachers in the 70, 80, 90,000 dollar bracket, they actually still, that's actually quite interesting as well, because especially if your other main salary job is in music, you can keep all of your receipts and we try and claim as, as many as we can against your uh, salary and wage job because you'll get the tax deduction for those. And then if you have your music loss, we just basically carry that forward in the hope that you're going to have that hit song one day and you can recover all those losses. Uh, obviously also that full-time job one year, you might not have that two, three years down the track. All of a sudden you might have $30,000, $40,000 worth of business losses that you've accumulated and you'll be able to get some tax back on the job if you only worked for half a year. Uh, the other uh, specialty, which I've had a lovely conversation with the tax office today on this one, is uh, artist averaging for musicians. And basically it took me an hour to get the answer I wanted from the tax office. And five people, because no one knows how to do this. And I said, well, except I don't... Colin. Except for me, I told him that. 30, 30 years. Now, my question is, I just want to get a clarification and a reference number. Um, so the, it was only that my uh, colleague said, doubted that I said, it's not, not a problem, I'll tell you. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go and get an answer just to make sure. So basically your first year of income for artist averaging is the first year as a musician that you make a net profit of two and a half grand. That's called year one. So if we take, I, I have quite a few students come straight out of Whopper. Generally, actually, they've already been gigging in Whopper halfway through usually. Um, so they might hit two and a half grand while they're still at, at uni not making much. Um, then they get out, they might have, you know, 15, 20,000. They might get a teaching job at Scotch part-time. They might be tutoring students from their home office and claiming some rent there. Anyway, basically, as your income builds, and especially if they come out of Whopper and you've got your teaching degree and you want to get into some music teaching as well, uh, as that builds, um, what the artist averaging does is let you basically average your income over four years. So what I actually do, and I've done it for years, is I pick and choose if I want to use the averaging. If it results in a better result, to say that is uh, artist income, I'll use it that year. But you can choose every year if you do or don't. So what's actually happened to me today was a, a filmmaker who basically, when I did some returns, 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, he went from there to there. So. In 2013, the result of averaging his income over the five years was just awesome. Then the next four years were pretty steady, so I didn't use it at all. And then I thought today, well, I think I could call this year 17 year one again. And um, I basically uh, contacted them and yes, there's nothing in the legislation that says uh, you can't start from scratch again. So kind of went from a five grand refund to a $2,000 refund. Uh, sorry, five grand bill to a $2,000 refund with averaging. So, yeah, it's probably pretty important to keep that in your mind. The amount of guys I get through that go, oh, I've been a mum and dad's accountant because that's where I went when I finished school. 
blah, blah, blah. They really didn't understand the music. Um, they, they didn't take me seriously. They go, don't worry about that music stuff. Don't worry about that. And then I can get, I can get people, I can only really amend, with a small business, you can go back four years. Um, but, but basically I've had some people through in the last few years where I can get some major returns back on amending them because they haven't even, didn't even know about artist averaging. So, yeah, pretty good stuff. Keep going. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, that was about the non-commercial losses. The main thing about that is um, sometimes you can get the losses if you've made profit three out of five years or you turn over more than 20,000. So sometimes you, I need to look at the full picture there might be some ways you can claim a loss even if you are more than $40,000. Um, so that's why each person's uh, situation is different. Uh, then we get to the ugly word of GST <laughs> and bass returns, which people don't want to know about. Um, probably the main thing I'd say with musos on this one is if you're getting up there to the 75,000, be very mindful because the law basically says if you think if you turn over seventy five thousand or you think you're going to turn over seventy five thousand, you should register. So quite often, I might get someone that's hit a hundred when they come to do their tax return, and it's kind of a bit late to back register because um, that last twenty five grand they didn't charge GST on their invoices, and you're kind of running the gauntlet a bit that hoping that the tax office don't catch on that one. Uh, the other one as well with bands I see quite often uh, with a lot of jazz bands, because there's so many people in jazz bands, is that one person may be the main person that's organising all the different gigs with all the different uh, bands that they do. And if that person collects all the money, they might collect $150,000, even though at the end of the day they end out with 30. So they think, I don't need to register for GST. And yeah, I had a guy like that quite a few years ago was turning over 138,000. So I was kind of like, hmm, bit of a problem. So, and you, a lot of, I can tell you now, you ring the tax office, um, just your general helpline. You, you can get a different answer every day of the week. Most times they're actually reading off a manual, they're not experienced. So do not take that as solid advice. Because, um, yeah, he was like, well, I rang the tax office and they said, no, if I'm only making 40000 I don't need to register. And the key to that is that it's turnover, not profit. Yeah, turnover, not the profit. So, yeah, he might get uh, 138000 but he's paid out 68000 to the subbies, the other people in the band. And they don't have to worry about it because they're only getting one-seventh or one-sixth or one-fifth of the band's turnover, but it's all going under his ABM. Okay. Yeah, getting a bit more complicated in terms of entities. Um, you generally have your sole trader when you're starting out, just a songwriter. Um, your partnership's more the band idea. Where you can get caught with that is if you have some band members that actually have some assets and some property. Uh, got a, a couple of girls last week. One was already married with a house, with a husband. The other girl had nothing. If that band goes out and does something and gets sued, they'll go after the girl with the assets. Um, so basically your little um, band and hobby that you're doing, all of a sudden uh, the person over here, um, the husband may not be quite happy if 
there's a problem uh, losing the house or something. Uh, might sound strange, but you know, venues, um, live wires, I don't know. Um, obviously, you make sure you have your public um, liability insurance, but I'm sure there's always situations <coughs> these days where, where um, you might get in trouble. Um, trusts and companies are very good, and I get to that next level. If you start touring a lot, uh, it's, you basically need to be at that next level to be treated as an employee of your band and uh, there's a certain way that you can basically pay yourself travel allowances which in the industry are known as per diems but in actual fact if you're a sole trader or a partnership the per diems you get there aren't the traditional per diems that I talk about that you can claim straight back. Uh, are you employed as a musician? Again, that was where I was talking about a lot of the press is about um, deductions and claims and the threats that might be there if you are still an employee musician still doesn't detract from the fact that these are genuine musician deductions. So I will tend to challenge the tax office on anything in that line, although when you're under an AB in your own business, things are a little bit easier and not as scrutinised as if you're an employee. Uh, but even these guys at APRA would, in their roles, they're, I mean, I usually see us out and about at all sorts of events and concerts and all sorts of things. It's all part of your uh, necessary uh, research and getting better in the jobs that you do day to day. Uh, but it is, as I say, a little bit more scrutinised and that's why I say I'm going to and from work. But I do have a drum guy that tutors at Scotch. Um, so yeah, no problems. Uh, he's got to load his car up all day, every day to go to and from work. Oh, okay. That's what I was saying um, about actually, uh, might sound scary going to an accountant. Um, I do get very scared when people go to H&R Block and ITP and places like that at shopping centres. Um, these people, I usually send my secretary on these courses for 10 weeks of a Tuesday night, one hour a night for 10 weeks, uh, just to get the basics on how to fill in a tax return and that's how they, they train them and they put them out there doing your taxes. Um, the main, the registered tax agent is actually the person that owns the H&R uh, Block franchise, but these people are not very experienced. So you kind of uh, get what you pay for in some sense. And um, the amount of H&R block, I shouldn't just single them out. Those kind of returns that I've had to actually amend and, and, and um, review. Uh, now, if you just basically do your own, there's a lot of thing out there with the tax office saying just do e-tax. I don't know if anyone's ever done e-tax, but uh, it can be very frustrating because you don't really know what you're doing and it might take about two or three hours. I always remember a girlfriend on Facebook a couple of years ago going, that's three hours, I'll never get back. And uh, she basically just has a government worker in an office and I'm thinking, three hours? Anyway, um, so if you do your own, you've only got to the 31st December. If you go through an accountant, you've got to the 15th of May next year. 31st October if you don't use an accountant, otherwise May next year, sorry. A little bit about myself. Um, 
I'm actually now a fellow of the CPAs, which means I've been working as a CPA for at least 15 years and people think I'm all right. Um, I've been doing music stuff nearly 30 years now. I've actually got my 20th anniversary for the business, Soul Trader business, in uh, October this year. Gonna have a bit of a get together to celebrate that. Um, I've basically, I've, yeah, 170, I think we're up to about 300 now, since we- um, Probably need to update that. Yeah. Um, I kind of set a bit of a target a couple of years ago. I was on about 100, and I thought I'm gonna make 200 this year. I've got to 300, so um, I just, I love, I love dealing with musos, I love uh, taking the stress out of your life in terms of what can be, it's not part of your creative process, you actually have um, better talents and skills, you can spend your energy elsewhere and kind of like say that within half an hour to an hour I can like ease the pain for a year generally. Um, as a WAM member and uh, an APRA member you're entitled to a, a free half hour consultation with me. So generally I encourage you to, you know, if you're gonna do your 2018 tax, um, basically come out, use your first half hour and have your list of questions, and then in the next half hour I can just do your tax for you. And we can basically, um, we, try, we try and, uh, with Chantel, my PA, she'll basically get all your information off you before you come in, so that by the time you come in, it's just ease the pain and we're all organised. And we use the time so that it's basically valuable um, and that you get your questions answered. And this is the APRA. Yeah, so complimentary heart. It's on the website, yes. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> and it didn't take long to organise. <laughs> it's pretty hard to get on a nationwide website. Anyway, so we've got uh, the complimentary first half hour for APRA members. 20% discount of fees for the first year. Tax work? Yes, that's what it says. Kind of that's it. Yeah, well, we. I got you on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You did. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. So there we go. I better let Skinny get up here. Sorry. And you're now on the WAM board. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I'm on the. Uh, I um, was very excited this year to go um, go for uh, the WAM board. And I was pretty nervous because uh, I think it was one of the biggest. Um, uh, entries, there was 14 people and you had to get up and speak for two minutes and say what, what you thought you could contribute. Uh, and I yeah, couldn't believe I got on there the first year I went for it. So I'm pretty excited because I really want to be a part of um, this wonderful WA music industry and everything that's happening here. I just think it's really exciting and the government announcement of the $3 million, you know, it'll be really great if we can try and make this like a regular thing that happens and all the all the uh, money that goes into the arts. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Awesome.